I have had a crazy morning this morning. Nothing like this one, um, but something, but uh, definitely a morning that has been a little bit insane. So let me just ask you, in light of this video and your chuckles after that, how many of you feel like you know somebody? Can you think of somebody in your life who has a pattern of behavior that is just insane? How many of you guys know somebody who has a pattern of, okay, you all know, you all know somebody. Okay, cool. How many of you think that somebody thinks you have patterns of behavior that are insane? Oh, okay. All right. We're at, th- thanks for being honest. <laughs> awesome. All right. So we're all in the same boat. We're all insane. Uh, you know, it's so interesting, you guys. Last week, we talked about this desire that we all have results that we want to see different in our life. Now, what was interesting in this video, what was the result that they wanted changed? All they wanted changed is they wanted the city of Chicago to stop knocking on their door. That's why this happened. That, but they had something that they wanted to see changed. And so last week we talked about that, that there may be things you want to see changed in relationships or in your finances. There may be things you want to change in your job or in your own hearts. There's just stuff about yourself that you wish could change. And obviously we're here at church, so there would be a desire maybe that somehow this connection with God would change, that it would be a little bit more deep, a little bit more intimate. But the question is, when you see the result, I want to see this change. I want Chicago to stop knocking on my door. Awesome. Here's how you get Chicago to stop knocking on your door. Mm, No. Right? And the same thing happens to us. See, and I'm glad you all raised your hand because you might not have millions of books stuck in your home. You might not have something that is so obviously kind of weird, but we all have stuff that's pretty weird and we all have stuff that we want to see change. But our problem is when somebody comes along and says, okay, here's what you got to do. We go, "Mm, no. And that's why we're doing this series called Insanity No More. Because again, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, but wanting to see a different result. I was thinking for me, uh, last, <clears throat> about a year ago, uh, well, actually a little over a year ago, right before the summer, I went on a sabbatical last summer, that there was some stuff inside my heart that I really wanted to see change. And there just, I felt like my, my capacity to love, to really actually love, was just actually diminishing. <laughs> you know, and, and if you're following Christ, your heart should be expanding, right, in love. And yet I found that my, I felt like my love quotient was just shrinking, and so last week we talked about if you want to see something change, what do you got to do? You got to change your, anybody remember? No, good. That was an effective week. <laughs> All right. So, no, you, you need to change your pursuit, right? And so part of it is there's all the wisdom in the world, but the scripture we looked at, it said, then go after it. You know, go after it, seek after it, ask for it. And I remember asking God on a daily basis, just in my prayer time, God, please change my heart. I mean, I was asking, I was begging, and then I started seeking. I started talking to people. I started discovering certain things. I went and did some counseling, and I said, listen, this is my issue. I'm stuck, but I don't know why I'm stuck, right? See, the problem with pursuing wisdom is what happens. You get it back. (laughs) And all of a sudden, the wisdom comes back, and you go, oh, I don't want to deal with that. (laughs) All right, y'all been there? So 
Last week, we talked about pursuing wisdom. And sometimes you might want to see things change, but also sometimes you don't even want things to change. This last year, there have been a few times just in staff meetings, like we're, we're right here working. You guys all work with people, right? So I'm working with my staff, and all of a sudden, they keep bringing up these things about me that are, need to be changed, right? And I'm not seeing it. Anybody like that? I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Now, bear with me here a little bit. I, I thought I, I'd probably get in trouble for this, but what do you call a donkey? Okay, good. thank you. Okay, maybe I won't get in trouble. Okay, so, I, yeah, a jackass is this, right? It's, it's a male donkey, or it's somebody who's foolish or stupid. I, I found this on the web. Um, blockheaded. So, I don't know if you guys ever heard this before. If, if one person calls you a jackass, just totally ignore them. If two people call you a jackass, you better start listening. If three people call you a jackass, put a saddle on. <laughs> and, and see, part of it is, too, it's like we want to change, but then when somebody from the outside says, shines a light on and you actually see some things you need to change, what's a donkey? Why do they call them that? Because donkeys are really stubborn. They're stuck in their ways. And they're not open to change. So you pursue wisdom, Right? <laughs> So, man, I want to change. I'm going to go after. I'm going to change my pursuit. I'm going to pursue. Or maybe you're here today. You know know what? I'm going to pursue God. But then when wisdom comes or when God shows up and he actually speaks to you, here's the question for today. When you seek it out and it hits you, what's your attitude towards it? What's your attitude today? Towards God, what's your attitude going to be towards wisdom? Listen to this definition of, wisdom, of, of an attitude. <laughs> attitude is a settled way, of thi- settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. See, an attitude is a settled way of thinking about something that gets lived out in your behavior, and all of us have these attitudes. And so that's why, and because it's settled, because it's actually become a rut or a pathway that you now are in, that's why when, pursue, when you pursue wisdom and it comes and it says, change that, there's an attitude issue that rises up within us. And so today, the second in this series of insanity, no more, you got to change some things. Today we're going to talk about you got to change your attitude, okay? You've got to change your attitude. You got to change the way you receive the wisdom the way you receive God when he actually speaks to you. Way to go. Anybody, by, by, by the way, just out of curiosity, did anybody pursue wisdom this week? Did anybody actually say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after something different. All right. Now what are we going to do when it comes? And, and by the way, let me say one more thing before I pray for us. You know, when you say that, uh, does anybody else think that you have a pattern of behavior that's a little insane? And you all went, yeah, probably. Can I just guarantee you this? When God looks at you, he totally sees patterns in you that are insane. He just does. In fact, he knows all the stuff in you and me that just isn't right. And what I wanted to say to you before we go in here is then this God who not only sees all the funkiness inside of you, is the God who loves you so desperately. And he wants nothing else but to set you free from patterns of life that are destructive. That's why Jesus came into the world 
is to set you free to be able to live the life that God created you to live. All right? So now we're going to probably hear some hard things today, but know that they come from the God who loves you. All right? So let's pray. And what we're doing, let me, I'm going to pray for you. But right now, as I, 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 one picture, I don't know why this works for me, but as I'm praying, you have a chance today to either have a settled attitude towards God or what we're going to say today, or you can have this really soft attitude, right? A, a very receptive attitude. Like the, I always picture this kind of like the rototiller in your heart, right? <laughs> you can either come at this with a hard thing and God said seeds come and it bounces right off, or you can let the rototiller just till up your soil and go, okay, God, bring it on. I'm ready to receive. So here's your chance. Let's pray. I'll pray for you. You already right now start to change your attitude. Say, God, I'm ready to receive from you today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that Jesus came so we could have life and life to the full. Thank you, God, that you desire nothing more than for us to be in a very real, a very intimate, and a very powerful relationship with you. God, thanks for revealing to us why that doesn't happen. Thanks for telling us what's wrong. And God, as we come to you today in this desire to not live an insane life anymore, to not live in a pattern of behavior, but to literally change, I just ask that you would just use your word right now to help us to know why, what's going on with me, and why do I do this. So come in power right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hmm. All right, here we go. Again, last week we looked at some Proverbs. We're going to look at some Proverbs again. Proverbs is a book that was built all about wisdom, okay? And again, wisdom, if you weren't here last week, wisdom is God's perspective. It's divine perspective towards the issues of life, okay? So we can actually understand what's really true and what's really right about life, okay? And so this book of Proverbs was written to you, and I told you last week, if you're interested, like if you're going to pursue wisdom, then read the scriptures. That was my first application for you. And we just said, and read the Proverbs. There's 31 of them. Read one each day, all right? So today's the ninth. Read Proverbs 9 today when you go home, all right? So here we go. Let's look at some Proverbs about this issue of our attitude. Proverbs 15, 5. Only a fool despises a parent's discipline, Whoever learns from correction is wise. Proverbs 15, 32. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Guys, watch this pattern just continue to evolve. There's a foolish way to live. And it says it's going to say no to discipline or correction. And the wise person is going to say, bring it on. Because I actually want to change. Proverbs 13, 13. Whoever scorns instruction will pay for it. But whoever respects a command is rewarded. Proverbs 10, 17. People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life. But those who ignore correction will go astray. This is my favorite one. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> Let's just throw it out there. Okay, do you guys see this? But this is, I mean, it's just crazy to read through these books of wisdom and basically all they keep saying is this. You are, you want a certain result and you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect that result to come out. You are going to have to change. And yet, when the wisdom comes, 
for some reason, it is foolish to reject the wisdom that comes. It is the fool who when, because who, I mean, nobody likes discipline. Nobody likes correction. And yet the Bible says, no, 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 no. If you're really wise, if you really want to know how to live, you do like it. Bring it on. I remember years ago reading about Andre Agassi when he was like the top dog in tennis. Remember him? That was like a long time ago. But when he was number one in the world, I read an article about him, and he said the one thing that he owed, the number one thing for him was to have a coach. And I just thought, now isn't that interesting? (laughs) You're the best in the world. You're better than everybody else. And the most important thing to you is to have what? Somebody who will discipline you and somebody who will bring correction to you. Any reason that maybe Andre Agassi was top in the world? I remember, too, back in 1992, and I tried to hunt it down, and I couldn't find the gal's name, but it was some sprinter in the 1992 Olympics. And she was the best. Everybody knew. She was the top one. And yet, her coach was so frustrated with her because she would never listen to him. (laughs) And so finally, he just quit. And he said, you know, if you're not going to listen to me, good luck. If you know, go for it. Well, finally, she had this really great desire to do what? She had a result. She wanted to win the gold medal. And she finally realized, there's no way I'm going to actually earn this gold medal on my own. She goes, I need discipline. <laughs> I need correction. I need a coach. You know what she did? She actually signed a legal... Her, her coach said, I will not take you back unless you sign a legal document that says you will listen to everything I say. <laughs> and she did it. Because she knew that by herself, she was never going to experience the life or the the gold medal that she so badly wanted. What do you want? And how badly do you want it? And are you open to the correction? Would you even sign a legal document that says, man, I will listen to God? You know, we're not going to do that here. Because God actually wants it to be about a love, about a trust relationship with him. Look at this, Proverbs 9, 7 through 9. Whoever corrects a mocker, and I don't know about you, but I don't know, what's a mocker? A mocker is someone who believes something to be worthless. <laughs> so in other words, a mocker is somebody who, if, when they receive information, they, they actually, they all, they're also haughty, so they look down on the stuff that they receive, and they just think it's ridiculous. It says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. And do not rebuke mockers, or they'll hate you. Now look at this. Rebuke the wise, and they'll love you. Instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. Take a quick little inventory of your own heart right now. When somebody comes with correction to you, are you a fool or are you wise? Just hit me. There was a whole conversation that happened between spouses right there. Right? hitting the elbows. But it just in your own heart, do you find yourself really open when people have something for you? Or do you find yourself <laughs> indefensive? The Bible says, you got to change your attitude if you really want the life. You've got to become somebody who loves correction. I actually want it. Bring it on. So here's what I want to talk to you about today. Three questions. Why don't we change our attitude? Why should we change our attitude? And how do we change our attitude? All right, so here we go. 
Number one, why don't we change our attitude? And I just have a list of things down here because I think there's many different reasons that we don't. The first one is this. Sometimes we don't change our attitude, like God gives you his wisdom, or, uh, and we just don't think it'll actually make any difference. There, I just know that sometimes you feel like your life is so out of control that you, and it's so, you're it's so in despair that you just don't have any hope. And so you hear this word from God and he says, well, maybe try this. And there's, you'll, you'll find something inside of you. You've gone so far down this path that you just don't even have hope. So God's wisdom comes and you just go, yeah, forget it. I think another reason we don't change it is actually we get so far off on that path that we go, God brings you wisdom. He says, oh, but come over here. But it just looks impossible. You guys ever felt like that? Where it's just, this is, this is going to be too hard. <laughs> you know, I, I, this, and it's crazy because I'll get to this in a second. It's almost like this feels so, at least I understand this way of living. This is familiar, familiar to me. And this thing over here that God's asking me to do, I just can't do it, man. That is just, it's just way too hard. Or we just don't want to pay the price right? So see, the point is, if you're going to change something, there's usually going to pay a price. It might have been Florence Griffith Joyner. For some reason, her name comes to my mind. It may have been, but there's going to be a price to pay if you want to change. And lots of times, if we can just be honest with ourselves, it's like, oh, so that's what I have to do. Mm, No, (laughs) I don't want to pay that price. Now, here's a big one. A lot of us, when we receive God's wisdom, and all of a sudden he says, oh, hey, I want you to have life, and this is how you have it, it means you're going to have to totally change your life and you go, you know what? I actually like what I have. Part of the reason we scurn his wisdom is because his wisdom is probably going to be a result in, in our life having to change and we like our life. We don't want to lose what we have. And here's another one. A lot of us don't want to change because we actually think that what we're doing is okay. <laughs> God's wisdom comes. You read his word and he tells you something and it's like totally contradictory to the way you live your life. And you go, oh, that was, that, that was for the Old Testament, right? Or that was for the, those people because you actually feel like what you do is right. And let me, let me just hit on this one. I, I think this is one of the big ones. The reason when God's wisdom comes and we don't want to actually be open to it and let him change us is because we do believe we're right. I think I'm Right? Isn't it? I just, if you can take this for a second, like someday we're going to see him face to face and we're going to go, you were right. (laughs) You know, and all of our foolishness, literally all of our thinking that we can understand life is going to just come to light. Now, and I, what's interesting, you guys, so if you're here today and you kind of just have this attitude where you feel like you're right, the biggest danger in that is that is what leads to pride. This, that's what leads to the mocker, haughty thing, where you look at something else and it just looks foolish. And you have that kind of attitude because you, you, and these would be, some of you, your life's probably, maybe it's fine, right? Maybe it's working. So who are you to tell me to change? You know, that, that, we kind of get that attitude because I'm right. And here's what's crazy. As soon as you get that attitude, if that's your attitude towards God, then you're never going to be open to what he has to say. And you're not going to experience what God has said is actually life. And, and, I, and I felt very clearly I need to share with all of you in this room who are long-term Christians, okay? For those of you who are here and you've been walking this path with God for a long time, this is one of the most dangerous things for people who know a lot about God. And what's crazy is you never even meant to get there. 
Because when you started off with God, you were blown away, right? You were humbled by God and you had the fear of the Lord and it began wisdom and you just, and, but then you started to gain more knowledge and you started to, and as you did, it's like, oh, this works and this doesn't work. And the next thing you know, you got this whole pattern. And as a mature follower of Christ, you're like, this is how God works. <laughs> Anybody been there? You don't have to, I mean, it's just, thank you. If, because you will get there. And then all of a sudden God wants to keep moving in you and yet it's outside of the way you think is right. And what happens is you move right off the whole idea of continuing to be humble because you're not humble before God anymore because you're right. And now when he actually wants to move in you and change you, it's really, really difficult. So knowledge and we're going to get to it in here, is essential. It is so critical. In fact, the Bible says you need to gain knowledge. And at the same time, knowledge is so dangerous. See, the Pharisees in the Bible, what did they have? A ton of knowledge. In fact, they knew what was so right that when God himself showed up in front of them, they couldn't see it. Why couldn't they see it? Because we're right. And they weren't right. So, man, I just want to tell you, if you're a Christian, and you've been a Christian for a long time, one of the most important things that you can do for your heart is to make sure that you keep it open. (laughs) Make sure that you are open to God and his continued work in your heart. Because none of us are Jesus. You just aren't Jesus yet, okay? You just aren't. So be really careful about that one, all right? So why don't we change our attitude because we think we're right? Um, another one reason we don't change our attitude is because, well, this would be the same thing because it's just hard to accept that we're not okay. (laughs) That's hard. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I try to be as open as I can when people come with criticism towards me, but I feel it. Don't you feel it? Like something rises up within you immediate defense. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Smiling to your teeth inside. You're like, you don't even know what Yeah. Well, that's because none of us like to actually be told we're not okay. Man, I, I, I was talking to someone yesterday, um, and we were just talking about the brokenness in this world. And oh, you guys, if we could ever actually really believe the gospel and get to the point where we all just know we're not okay. I talked about this when we were talking about how to deal with conflict with each other. That one of the most important things about dealing in conflict with each other is once you really believe the gospel, then you believe you're screwed up. You're a mess. And once you know you're a mess, then when somebody tells you you're a mess, you go, I know. <laughs> Tell me something different. Man, it's huge. And then the last, the, the last thing, well, maybe just two more. Here, here, here's another one, another huge one. The reason we don't, we, our attitude needs to change is because we don't want to lose control right? Right now, as human beings, we like to be in control. And when God's word comes and Jesus says, I have actual, all authority has been given to me. I'm actually the king. I'm actually the Lord. And so when I speak, you need to follow me. You need to trust me. There's something inside of us that goes, oh, because we want control. And if you're actually going to change, that means you're going to get out of control. Some hand to come into a service like this or to read your scriptures or to pray with a heart that says, God, my hands are up in the air. Take me. Take my life. That's the only way. And the last one is I just think we have a fear of the unknown. You know, we just, we just, we don't know what's out there. 
And so because, man, if I change, I don't know. This I get, <laughs> but this is going to mean something different. And I don't know what that is. And that's the whole point. Exactly. You don't know. And because we can't change our attitude, we never actually know. So here's God saying, I'm over here, man. And listen, this path over here will lead you to me and it will be life to your soul. But we don't actually ever know God because we've stood over here. You can actually go to church every single week and hear his stuff and God can still be way over there. Because I can't change my attitude. I have a set way of thinking, and what God is telling me is different than what I think, and I'm not going with him. You'll never know. You'll never know. All right? Now, really, you know why we don't change our attitude? Bible, I'm just so grateful for the Bible. The Bible just made it really clear. It's because you have this heart that's full of this thing the Bible calls sin. You just have sin. I have sin. This is the way I always define sin here at K2. Sin is a heart that's bent towards yourself instead of towards God and others. A real heart, the way we were created, is to be in relationship with God and have good relationship with each other. But sin is this thing inside of us that looks towards ourself first. It's called, that would be the antithesis of love. I'm about me instead of loving. And we all have it, you guys. That's all these things that we just went through at the course because our heart is bent towards ourselves. And that's why we don't change our attitude because there's something wrong with us. All right? Let's go to the second question. Why should we change our attitude? Why should we? I have one answer. <laughs> because God is holy. Because God is holy. Do you guys know what holy means? It's this huge word, man. It takes forever to unpack. But in essence, all it means is completely different than we are. That's what holy means. It means separate. And so God is saying, in his essence, you guys, he is completely different than us. And then the Bible helps us. He reveals how he's completely different through us through his love. God's love is holy. It is so different than human love. All human love is conditional somehow. But God's love towards you looks at you and says, listen, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. I am love. And therefore, I have to keep loving you just because I am. I don't even, that was probably not right. Because I don't think God's up there going, God, I have to keep loving you. (laughs) But I think what he is, he's up there going, I love you, period. No matter what, run away from me, mess up your life, even hurt another human being. And I love you. Now, it's not okay that you hurt another human being because I love them too. And I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want others to get hurt. So I am going to come in, right? Why? Because I love you. Why should we change our attitude? Because God is holy. And here's the other thing that holiness means, you guys. It means he's everything that's right. He's everything that's good. See, we're not. The world doesn't get better. We just keep hurting each other. We keep messing each other. Relationships keep falling apart. We're not getting better. That's because we're not holy. He is. So why would you want to change your attitude? Because he knows what's right. Because he knows what's good. Because he is love. And because he's the one who actually designed you. Right? See, when something is designed for a certain purpose... It only reaches its full potential when you use it for what it was made for. I heard a guy give an illustration about seeing somebody uh, actually taking popcorn, wanting to make popcorn, and he threw the popcorn in the espresso machine. So he just says, so I go over and I say, hey, can I help you uh, understand why the quality of your popcorn isn't so great? (laughs) 
because a espresso machine isn't made for popcorn, right? I mean, when you find out what was this designed for and you use it, what it was designed for, it reaches its full potential. And what God is saying is, I created you and I know you and I know what's right. And what we have to do over and over and over again is just remind ourselves, who in the world do I think I am? Why do I think that my ways are better than his ways? Why do I think that I know what's best for my life when there's one who's created me with plans for my life before one of them came to be? He knows why you are the way you are. He designed you exactly. He's eternal. He's outside of time. He actually saw your whole life before he created it, saying, I know what I created you for. And we're down here going, I think I got it down. And we're just screwing up. So why do you change your attitude? That's it. Short and simple. Because there's a God who knows you. And he loves you. And he is right. And we just have to humble ourselves. That's really it, you guys. A humble heart is it leads to a changed life. A humble heart results in a changed life. So, how do we change our attitude? How do we change it? How do we go from somebody who spurns correction, who rejects discipline, to somebody who actually loves it? Look at this verse in Matthew chapter 18. I just wanted to take you, sometimes we do, we go, ah, that was Old Testament. Let me take you right to the mouth of Jesus. This is where his disciples wanted to know how to be great. And so he told them, truly I tell you, unless you change, there it is, right? Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you change and become like little children. You guys, and little children during that day were just kind of the lowest on the totem pole. It was a very humble place. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom means a reign. If you have a, if you have a kingdom, that means there's a set way. There's a king on a kingdom. And the, kingdom is, and the king is the one who sets the rules. He says, this is how this kingdom's going to work. Well, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is, and Jesus said, you guys, I'm ushering in what is right I'm ushering in what is good. I'm bringing God's ways into this world so you can actually live the way you were created for. But then what he says is, the only way you will ever actually change and experience God's ways for your life is you got to become like a little kid. you got to quit thinking you know everything. So let's go real little kid, right? Because <laughs> I don't know about you. My kids think they know a lot. We're talking little kid. Mommy, right? Daddy, need you. I left Mariah puking this morning. That stinks as a dad. She needs me, you know? And, and it's just, you just that, like, help me. See, that's the attitude. If you have an attitude like a little child, instead of someone who goes, you know, let's debate this, God. I don't know if I agree with you on this one. Or I think I, you know. If you keep that attitude... You can have a hard path, and you're not going to change. And God calls that foolishness. Come like a little kid. Come like a little kid. I said last week a quote from John Maxwell that nobody changes until they heard enough that they have to. It's interesting because sometimes we heard enough that we go, right? We have a choice even when we hurt. 
to say, God, I need to change my life. Or nobody changes until they learn enough that they want to. And I just, that's why we're here and that's why we pursue the knowledge. But when you get the knowledge, will you come like a little kid who can just say, you know what, God, I, I, I confess to you. And maybe this, this is probably the first step right here, you guys. Will you just confess to God that you don't know everything? Can you just confess to God there is a crazy thing that will happen in your life when your heart finally just completely surrenders to the fact that you're a created being and there was a creator. And you humble yourself and you say, God, I will take everything you say and I'll follow you. <laughs> can, I, can I just be totally honest with you? Even saying that right there, I found my, my flesh going, oh, don't do it, no, 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 no. You guys are going I, I, to be honest with you, I had, uh, I had something in my, pr- I actually prayed something this morning, or not, uh, earlier this week. Let me see if I find this. Yeah, and I, again, I write my prayers out, so I actually wrote this down. Here was my prayer. God, I want nothing else to walk in your spirit. You know, I was feeling kind of spiritual cocky, you know? God, I want nothing else but to walk in your spirit. Anybody else ever said that? I want nothing else to keep in step and be absolutely so in step with you, God, that I, everything you want me to do, I do. And then I heard, I felt like I heard God's voice in my heart just simply say, Really? <laughs> my next line is, Okay. I want to want nothing more than to walk in your spirits. Be, because if we're honest, my, I, I, I do, I really do. do. How many of you want to want to walk with God every moment? Seriously, I want, this is not a whatever that word is, hypothetical question. How many of you want to want to walk with God every step of the way? How many of you want that? See, isn't it crazy then that when his word comes to us, we fight him? And I gave you all the reasons why you fight him. Somehow we think we're right or we don't think that the way will really bring us life. So the first thing we got to do is just confess to God. Now let me just tell you, here's the other thing you got to do is you've got to believe the right things about God. You've got to believe the right things about God. And I want to introduce you guys today to something we are going to do that's going to be, I think it could potentially be the most important thing we've done at K2 in eight years. I really do. And that is we are going to do a group-wide, church-wide study on this thing that we've developed called Base Camp. Now, if you've been here for years, we had an old Base Camp a long time ago. This is completely different, okay? We are introducing to you a new thing called Base Camp. And this Base Camp is going to be a tool for those of you who are followers of Christ. It's going to be a tool for you to help people understand what this adventure with God is all about. Because that's what this is, right? We call knowing God this adventure with God. But see, you don't go on a crazy, life-altering adventure without hitting base camp first, right? You hit base camp because it tells you, okay, it's going to help you know the terrain. It's going to help you to build your team. And your teams, you're going to learn everything you know. You're going to be equipped. You're going to have everything you need so you can go on the adventure, And so, man, if you're here at K2 and you've been wondering, like, how do I really know what this adventure is? There it is. How do I really know what this adventure is going to be if I actually engage with God? This thing right here, and it's going to be a church-wide study that we do. I am personally asking every one of you in this place, 
If you're making K2 Church your home or if you're considering making this your home, on September 30th, that week, please be in a base camp group. It it is going to be absolutely essential for you to understand what this adventure is and to be equipped to go on it. And if you're a Christian, then get people into base camp. So that's what it's all about. Help people, equip people so that they can know what you've known and experience what you've experienced. So next week, pray about it this week, and next week we'll actually have small group leaders out in the lobbies and the parking lot where you can sign up and join one of these groups, okay? This is so essential to getting to the point where we actually will change our heart. I might change my heart if once I really understand who God is and the life he's calling me to. You got to know that, all right? And then the last thing, you guys, I just want to say before I go, is now just, and the band can come on out here as we get, as we get ready uh, for worship is the most important thing, and this just hit me, is you know, why, uh, you know why we actually don't say yes to God? Okay, get ready, all you believers in Jesus. Part of it is uh, pretty obvious, right? Because you don't trust him. I mean, let's just be honest. I, when he says this and I say no to him, it's because I don't trust him. But there's one step deeper than that. If I asked you today and you said, you know what? I, if, do, how many of you love God? You go, oh, I love God. The real reason, when we say no to God's ways, and I said this a couple weeks ago, we don't just say no to his ways. We actually say no to him. If the very, at the very core, when you're pursuing wisdom, pursuing knowledge like you're doing here today, if love isn't at the core of why you're pursuing it, if it's really about you and not about God, then when he gives you his wisdom, since it's all really about you, you'll go, let me see if that fits into my plan, God. No, sorry. If you love him, when he tells you something, you'll do it. Because it's not about loving yourself. It's about, I love you, God. So obviously, I'm not going to tell you no. You created me. You died for me. You've done everything for me. So when you tell me something because I love you, I'll say yes to you. And that's why Jesus very simply in John 15 said, you know what? If you love me, you'll obey my commands. So Patrick and Emily are going to lead us in a chance for you to remember, why would I do this? Because he's holy. Because he's holy. Because he's holy and because he loves you. And decide in your heart today if you love him too. If you love him too.